Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey, welcome to Horse Hour. I'm Amy Stevenson. Today we're talking strangles. You would have heard a previous episode where we talk about the signs, the symptoms and the treatment of strangles. But today Andy joins us from Red Wings Horse Sanctuary because sadly they had a strangles outbreak so they know how to deal with it and Annie's going to share some advice of things that worked well for them and also the results of a survey they put together to help prevent future outbreaks of strangles. This is Horse Hour. Now, if you remember, a few weeks ago, I went to the National Equine Forum and uh, you heard from lots of really, really great speakers there on all about educating the industry. So we had Sue Dyson, who was talking about saddle fitting. We had Josh Slater, who was on one of the panels. And the person that we're speaking to today is Andy Valella, who she was a guest speaker. She was on the panel with Josh. Um, And Andy is Education and Campaigns Manager at Red Wings Horse Sanctuary. How are you, Andy? Hi, yeah, I'm great. Thanks so much for inviting me to talk to you. Oh, I've been wanting to talk to you for ages. I mean, can you talk us through what you did at the National Equine Forum, please? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it was a really exciting opportunity for us because we got to present the findings of our strangle survey. Uh, The strangle survey was born out of um, our own outbreak that we had in 2015. And as a charity, we just felt that having had that experience, we really wanted to help horse owners um, beyond the sanctuary um, improve their biosecurity as much as we can based on our experience. But to do that, we really wanted to know more about what do they know what do they do um how do they feel about strangles and biosecurity um, or reducing risk against the disease so yeah we did this survey in 2016 and the national equine forum was our opportunity to share the results it was really really great it was brilliant you and i caught up in a little room earlier and just before you went on and bless you you were so nervous but you did a great job it was brilliant i know it was very new to me and i was so honored to be on a panel with uh, professor josh slater who's talking about EHV and thankfully our messages complemented each other nicely so it was really good and he's so lovely too you can actually hear the chat with with Josh if you if you go to our website horsehour.co.uk you can listen to the interview with him and and he explains in detail about strangles and and EHV which is equine herpes the equine herpes virus and it all sounds very very horrible Andy and and we've we're trying to really understand strangles so um, we've done a few episodes on on what is it and how can you over overcome it how can you what are the signs the symptoms and the treatments um but I'm really fascinated to know your case study because you're living proof of of finding it of dealing with it and getting rid of it yeah I guess yeah it is 
that's exactly what we are. We we had an outbreak where one of during one of our routine checks, we identified a horse in a field in our resident herd. So these are our horses that have come into sanctuary through our ordinary quarantine and screening process. Um, so they're clear of any infectious disease. And during a routine check, one of our farm team members identified a horse with a snotty nose. And um, as with any illness um, that's identified amongst our herd, the immediate thing is to record it and to, to call a vet. Mm. Um, so uh, thankfully, with the knowledge of the disease, um, we were able to put the horses into precautionary quarantine straight away, um, which meant that everybody on the farm was now hand washing um, and um, just observing the general quarantine procedures, which we can talk about later if you would like. And then, the, obviously, the vet arrived, took the tests, and within about 24 hours of the initial test being taken, unfortunately, yeah, we'd confirmed a positive case of strangles. And oh actually, within that same routine check, but on a separate field, there was another horse identified and was also strangles positive. Um, well, let's just, yeah. let, let's just look at this. Well, first of all, from a charity point of view, you have mm. so many horses on that uh, on your land yeah um, trying to control something like that uh, hats off the lady that spotted it straight away <laughs> because a snotty nose I probably would have said oh it's just a bit cold the fact that she yeah. picked it up so quickly is amazing I think what was great was that we have we don't have any fear about putting something in precautionary quarantine it doesn't mean that it is effective. It just means that we're reducing the risk of if there is an infection there, it's not going to spread to other horses. Mm. So that's what she was able to do straight away. But yeah, in in terms of how it affected us, obviously the risks for us are huge. Um, we are different to many yards. We had almost 400 horses on that particular farm. Oh my gosh. Um, and although we have a large proportion of them have been exposed to the disease and treated and so have some level of resistance, we also do have horses that are born within sanctuary as well. So there is a particular risk for those naive horses who would definitely catch the disease. So we really wanted to prevent them from capture, catching the disease and also for any um, other infections of horses which had low immunity to it. Mm. Um, and the other risks to the charity of course we've got horse movements on and off the yard this was a farm that's not connected to our horse hospital um, or our retraining and rehoming facility but we are moving horses between these farms so we wanted to really be quite quick to contain the disease to make sure it didn't spread to our, one of our other 10 locations um, so yes yeah, so once we identified the horse um, very quick because we have a essentially is a diary of horse movements for every horse we know where it's been we were able to say get track back over three weeks and put in precautionary quarantine for any horse that had had potential contact with the strangles positive horse wow um yeah so it meant we could put quarantines um we had uh, quarantines dotted over that farm because of the potential contact with Cal there. And we also had um, a precautionary quarantine at our horse hospital because one of the ho horses had been for sarcoid surgery oh, no. uh, previous on the meet week. So, yes, it affected our operations there. And then one of the we put um, our visitor centre in Essex under quarantine, which obviously had huge impact on our fundraising um, capacity because one of the horses was going down there to be rehomed that had potential contact again with the infected horse. So, as you can see, it, um, very quickly from the moment of identifying the horse, we went into 
let's stop horse movements and let's identify where we need to put in these amber quarantines. Mm. And that poor lady that was going to rehome the horse, what, what did she do? Was she just on hold for a little bit? Thankfully, at the stage in the process, the horse hadn't yet got gone to the web. It had just met our veterinary approval and our behavioural approval. So it was going down to the visitor centre to be trained and we would have then found somebody ah. to take on that horse. So we were very lucky that there was no disappointment there. Yeah. Because uh, that would have been heartbreaking, wouldn't it? You're just about I to take know. home a pony and then and then you realise, well, actually, it could could have strangles. But then that's part of, part of it. This is uh, what's so lovely about you coming on and talking to us today is that it, if it can happen to you, it can happen to anybody. Yeah, I think that's right. And and one of the things is uh, that, that also Josh mentioned in your other podcast is really this is about minimising risk. We can't eliminate it completely, but the practices we adopt to reduce the spread of strangles and to eliminate strangles will actually help us improve our horse's health across the board because they're good practices anyway to prevent spread of other infections um mm. be it ringworm be it um infectious diseases like flu or other other things they're actually just good practices to protect health of our horses so um yeah and say. so from from then you know you've, you've quarantined you've done everything you can how, how did, did he get better did the horse get better yeah, yeah, Cal is better and he is on the cover of our Strangle Survey <laughs> report. He's the proud um, picture at the very front of the report. Um, he's absolutely fine. Oh. Um, he was in quarantine um, for, I think, over a month in the end. But um, as with all the horses that were, we had 30 horses that were actually infected during the outbreak. All of them have recovered. And importantly, all of them were screened clear of the disease after their recovery so that we could be sure that they wouldn't cause future infections um, mm. by becoming carriers. Mm. So Cal and Smarty and Maggie Moose and all of these other horses that, mm. that were sadly infected were treated recovered to full health and then screened in terms of the cost andy does this it sounds like this cost a lot of money for red wings absolutely and um i'd like to also say that our supporters have been fantastic we had to launch an appeal to support us financially and in the first month alone the additional expenditure for our outbreak which went on tests and disinfectant and things was an additional 27,000 pounds in the first month alone yeah so to put it in context, our monthly operations of our quarantine yard, so that's just what we do on a, in a routine way, that, a routine basis, um, that would cost us normally around £8,000 a month. So you can see that the outbreak in one month was well, God, my maths is terrible. Um, <laughs> was like several was several times the amount of money of our day to day running costs of quarantine, um, which are enormous figures. You know, no other yard would probably have that uh, scale of expenditure, but certainly it definitely makes day to day. Um, buy security value for money well yeah but the amount of horses that were infected with 30 horses i mean out of 400 that's that's a lower percentage which is brilliant but there are many yards that have 30 horses that the horses could all have touched each other that could have that twenty-seven thousand pound expenditure for, for having to deal with 30 horses that have strangles so realistically it could this this could really affect anybody i mean well thank you to the supporters because obviously without them what would happen 
Yeah, it was really good response that we had from them. Um, the 30 horses were in, that were infected, we actually tested 501 horses. So it, the scale of the expenditure was actually reflected more in ha- the number of horses we needed to test to to ensure that the the outbreak wasn't spreading uh, or didn't spread. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it, on a yard with, say, 200 horses or even with 50 horses, if you have one horse that's confirmed with strangles, it's definitely value for money to just put any horses that have had in contact with that horse into quarantine, test them and make sure that you, you know, stop the spread mm, before mm. It, it goes beyond. Because the other thing was, is it wasn't just that farm, but it, it affected other farms and could have potentially affected other, our own staff have their own horses, you know, at home. And so we were really conscious that we didn't want the outbreak to then lead to further outbreaks in the community. So that's why it was so important for us to make that investment to prevent the spread. Mm. Well, now I understand why we've got this fear of the of, of the outbreak. We call it the outbreak. <laughs> Before talking to you and Josh and and I spoke to B&W Equine Vets as well. We did a detailed podcast on it. I kind of thought there was this fear. It was a, It's a fear. You know, we're very f- afraid of strangles. But seeing how quickly it can develop, I'm not surprised we're scared of it. It is important to be proactive and to, to know what we're looking for. So the survey that you did then, what, what did you find in that? Was this before or after the outbreak you decided to do that? This was after the outbreak. And one of the key findings really was that people who haven't had experience of strangles or an outbreak tend to have more fearful view of it because mm. um, as experience dictates, you you realise that this is quite a manageable thing to do in practice, as did our staff, for example, who uh, managed the outbreak on a day-to-day basis. It comes down to being kind of confident that you understand basic biosecurity so hand washing between horses making sensible decisions around um, doing the horse care for the infected horse last after you've done the horse care for your uninfected horses and and I think once people have had that experience they are more confident in it Um, we also found quite interestingly that those that have experience of strangles as well as being more confident they're actually more will more likely and more willing to pay to have their horse screened clear of the disease than people who haven't had experience of strangles which is really important if we want to put an end to this disease once and for all we need to be committed to ensure that new infections don't become carriers because then we Mm. can really stamp it out and stop the disease in its tracks Mm. um yeah. It makes me laugh, Andy, that we call it biosecurity. I'd really love to change the name because it sounds <laughs> like, you know, chemical warfare. Um, I'd love to change the name to, to disease management, I think, because that's what it's yeah. coming down to, isn't it? We're, we're trying to manage infectious diseases. Absolutely. I mean, yeah, it's just reducing risk at the end of the day. It's just what can you do to reduce the risk of your horse catching an infectious disease? Mm. Um, so, yeah, biosecurity is probably too dramatic it's too dramatic a term really for yeah. hand watching <laughs> so what happened with the survey then what what sort of questions so, did you have on there we had a huge response the survey was a long and broad survey asking about people's knowledge about the disease um their attitudes and their practices um and we we had a really good cross-section of the horse owning public response including people who do competitive um eventing as well as those who are, are leisure owners um all rounders we 
we basically um, sort of gauged how important is strangles to horse owners. And we could see from the huge response, we had almost 5,000 people click on the, the link and take part in the survey and 2,000, over 2,000 people complete the full survey. And we know that from the from the survey, we know that strangles is a big concern to horse owners. It's comparable to lameness or laminitis and colic. And mm. uh, we also know that, well, probably thanks to people like you, that they have very good knowledge of the clinical signs of the disease. And they actually have quite good knowledge of biosecurity steps that need to be taken. But for some reason, we still have a problem where there's very low levels of screening on yards for new arrivals. So we're only 13% of um, people on livery yards reported any kind of screening for new arrivals. Oh, gosh. Um, yeah, you know, really- on that note, I've had to fight, like literally fight with the owner of the yard, um, my yard, because he won't let us isolate horses, new horses when they come in. He expects them to go straight into the field, which I find really frustrating because we've got, say you've got one five acre field, the new horse just goes straight into it. Well, they can touch the horses in the field next on both sides. So I kind of feel even fencing off an area might not be enough Mm. because, you know, it's still in the same field. It kind of, it's in within air touching distance. I know. Well, I mean, your experience is definitely reflected in our survey. 80% of the survey respondents said they'd even be willing to pay more to their livery yard owner if screening could be put in place for new arrivals. So so your experience of um, sort of lobbying your yard manager to put that make that provision is definitely something that we're seeing so we need to understand more why are livery yard managements uh, not putting this in place what are the disincentives because it seems to me that it would be win-win because you are um, showing how you're protecting clients on the yard um, from potential diseases. Um, any good livery owner, any good business owner that cares for the horses and the well-being of, of the riders and, and their customers should be implementing all these actions. So I do have to say, I didn't actually fight with the livery owner. You know, you know I didn't like, you know, there weren't any hits or anything. But it was a, it was a, it was a heated debate as to I had to really fight my call. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. 
Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. ...as to why I thought it was so valuable to be able to separate these horses. And in the end, we, we've done it ourselves. We've separated them by um, triple fencing which might sound a little bit crazy but after hearing about all the strangles and 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 horses can come with anything you know I'm not prepared to take the risk I love my horse too much so so yeah any kind of any any good livery yard should be implementing these and there should be a strategy there's a riding school that I know does this amazingly well every new horse that comes onto the yard goes in its own field separate from the others for two weeks so they've got this kind of quarantine period and in yeah. that time they can also do a fecal worm egg count and um, they can, you know, monitor it, vital signs just for that period of time. I mean, it makes sense for parasite management as well. You know, mm. uh, you don't just like in your case, you don't want to bring a horse onto a yard and mess up your strategic worming program <laughs> by uh, not having um, had its worm burden dealt with before it joins other horses in the field so yeah there's a it's a win-win um, scenario but I do think we need to understand better what why is it that there's not a social norm now amongst livery yards to quarantine and to screen for infectious disease mm. well some horses don't like to be by themselves so I guess that you know that could be a, a, a slight issue I'd always try and think of both reasons um as to, as to why they wouldn't be able to do it um mm. but as long as they can see other horses it's only I mean generally it only needs to be for a few days doesn't it it doesn't have to be two weeks that is that is the extreme but even minimal it's minimal three days do you think maximum make the minimal we we would we <laughs> this is i mean this is a practical a gold standard really would be three weeks actually just oh, because really? yeah because this this relates to the incubation period so if a horse had been infected or exposed to the disease the day before it comes to the new yard then three weeks allows you to be sure that it hasn't been infected. I mean, three weeks would be the time you would need to be safe that hasn't developed signs or become infected with the disease. But um, I think the issue here is because, you know, we also found that people would be less willing to put their horses into quarantine when they return from events. And I and mm. Josh made a really good point in your podcast. Unlike kind of the farming industry, the horses the horse industry is about movement it's about taking your horse enjoying your horse um to at events or, or wherever you wherever you want to go and that doesn't always you can't just enjoy your horse in your yard in isolation so i think the one thing we'd say is what what steps can you take to minimize the risk given those decisions you're making is there one more step you can do like for example monitoring temperature of your horse when you come back from events just so that if you do note that spike in fever then again you can put that precautionary quarantine in place which even though you're in your own field you can just say to people you know I've noticed my horse is sick is got a fever until I get that investigated and cleared please don't touch my horse don't use my equipment you know and that's Mm. your precautionary quarantine measures simples um and, and it's without... getting rid of this stigma, isn't it? It's okay. I mean, to it's preventative, and that's so important. And rather than the fear, I think is if you might have strangles, and I'd really love to be able to just get rid of this fear altogether. Is oh, it, it, you're embarrassed, but you can't mm. do anything about it. It's not that person's fault. It's much better to be proactive and precautionary than it is to worry about it after you've actually got strangles. But I think some, absolutely, I think sometimes we worry about other people and what other people think 
a lot and we worry that you know we might be being a little bit dramatic I know I do all the time because I'm you know slightly hypochondriac and slightly dramatic person but ultimately it's only because I care about my horse and I would a hundred times rather say I'm a bit worried his temperature's up um he doesn't he doesn't really look right it might just be having a bad day but everybody else be aware then ignore it let my horse I think it's irresponsible to just let your horse go out thinking there might be something wrong I think that's exactly what the, the, the issue of stigma is something we definitely need to stamp out when it comes to strangles, because um, really, that is what keeps people quiet. And actually, if people feel able to say, I've got my horse in precautionary quarantine at the moment, and I'm going to have a vet see it, please, can you not touch and not share my equipment and um and just, you know, keep yourself to yourself, mm. you're actually being the responsible one. Yeah. You're the one, um, speak, yeah, you can feel confident, you know, you're doing the best by your own horse and everybody else there. So, but this stigma, this anxiety about um, revealing a concern is what then delays action. People mm-hmm. then think, oh, I'll wait until I'm sure that he's got the disease before I say anything. Well, in that period of time, that's where spread can happen. And so we want to, if we can stamp out the stigma and encourage people to talk about um, why they talk about the potential for infectious disease, then people will see it much more as part of responsible management, just as a normal day-to-day part of our conversations about how we look after our horse's health. Yes, yeah. So um, with the survey, what else did you find that we can help with? Like, what can we learn from it? One of the things I would say is that uh, we found that of those who've had a strangles outbreak, had a horse with strangles, 20% of them didn't know if their horse was a carrier or not Mm. and a further 20% around that said that they knew their horse could have been a carrier so what that means is that yeah what that means is that if of all the infections taking place around 40% of those people don't know either way if their recovered horse could cause future infections. So what we're really saying to people is, you know, if you do have an, a horse with strangles, when you when the horse has recovered, ask your vet, can my horse be a carrier? Because if they do that and the vet can say, no, your horse can't be a carrier, it's strangles-free, we will stamp out this disease yeah. because that is the way to put an end to it. The, the reason it's pops up every now and again is because we have these carriers in the horse population in the UK who shed the disease. How bad is it though that 20% of people know that their horse could be a carrier and they haven't done anything about it? Only um, 70% of the strangles respond, uh, survey respondents knew that a horse that uh, recovered from strangles could still cause future infections if it hadn't been treated by a vet, i.e. Okay. cleared of being a carrier. So that means that 30%, around 30% of our respondents didn't know that carriers exist. Now, if people mm. don't know that a horse that's been infected with the disease could become a carrier then they don't even know that it's important to get a vet involved to ensure that it doesn't cause future infections. Mm -hmm. So it's really about promoting knowledge that if your horse has strangles, it needs to see a vet to be treated and cleared of the disease so that it doesn't go on to cause future outbreaks. So it doesn't become a carrier. 
Yeah, so it doesn't become a carrier because a carrier horse, I mean, putting it into context, our screening process at Red Wings, the new horses that came in bit to Red Wings in the last five years, 47 of them had no clinical signs of strangles. They were identified as strangles positive because they were carriers of the disease, which meant that if we hadn't identified that they were carriers, we would have admitted them into our sanctuary because they look otherwise not to be suffering from the disease and they could have caused outbreaks like the one we experienced in 2015 Mm -hmm. so it's really important to um, prevent horses from becoming carriers and on and if yards could help us by identifying carriers through a screening process and then ensuring owners have treatments and prevent that and the treatment for being a carrier then we will actually eradicate the disease um, without being too negative, I do feel yeah. that there is a there is one really big problem in all this that mm-hmm. I can see, and that's that you guys are taking on rescue horses every day. You still have to rescue all these poor horses that aren't looked after. If the horses aren't looked after properly, and they're and we're doing everything that we can as yard owners and and horse owners to properly look after our horses, is there a risk that we're not going to be able to stamp this out because there's still going to be a percentage of people that aren't looking after their horses properly that don't know or don't care about strangles and the outbreak? If they can't even feed their horse, they're definitely not going to get it screened for strangles, you know. Well, that's where I think uh, owners on yards come into. Uh, into play like just like you amy if you say to if you explain to your yard management that screening and quarantine is uh something you want to see as a service user you want to see that to protect your horses then no matter which horses come onto that yard they will all be identified just like they are at red wings mm-hmm. as carriers and then treated and they can go on and live full and happy lives like the rest of any old any any horse um i think yes strangles some people will always not care about strangles but if the majority of us do and we put in place the processes, the protocols to identify carriers and treat them, then we will see a reduction in the prevalence of the disease. Oh, brilliant. Well, that's what we want. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And hopefully improve biosecurity against other diseases at the same time. Oh, well, that would be a double bonus, wouldn't it? If only the government would just come up with, I mean, they come up with vaccinations for all sorts of things. Why can't they just come up with like an immunity one? That would be great, wouldn't it? Yeah, I think that everybody's working hard to. to oh, are they do trying that. to do that? <laughs> Try, certainly trying to get um, vaccinations for strangles and things like that. But yeah, it would be great if there was a magic bullet, but unfortunately, at least there's willingness. That's what we our survey found. There's a willingness um, and an interest to address this disease. So, oh, that's, that's a brilliant. Great start. That is really good. And what can we do to help? Can we do anything? I know that we've got our. You know, we can do our precautions, which we've talked about before, but yeah. can we I, educate? Can we, yeah. without being I, lecturous horse owners? <laughs> yeah, no, I think, well, first of all, um, maybe arrange with your yard to have a really informal discussion amongst all the yard um, livery clients and talk about biosecurity. Like, what would you do if there was an outbreak? Maybe just even throw it out. What if um, one of the horses here had a snotty nose? What would you guys do? How would you react? We found it really useful to have already had that kind of prior thinking time, having had that, gone through that thought process, so that when it happens, if it happens, it doesn't 
it doesn't cause a Ferrari. You can mm-hmm. think, well, we thought this through. We know what we do. We've got electric tape here to create a perimeter. We've got foot dip and, and, and disinfectant in the tack room. Um, and we've got the number of the vet on hand who will lead us in our management of an outbreak. So I think, yeah, I would say if you're on a yard and you want to know what to do, maybe ask to have that conversation what's the biosecurity like on the your yard and what would you do if there were if a horse was suspected to have an infectious disease mm. um can you remember how much it is like not obviously every vet's different but just to get your horse tested to see if it's a carrier yeah that's a really good question um so what you would you either want to get a, a blood test done um mm. two blood tests two weeks apart or guttural pouch scoping so or each I can't tell you an average cost but you can easily contact your vets vets are very um sort of proactive in in providing advice about biosecurity so is there an average is it like 40 pounds that I know each one's different but just kind of an average price it would be one call-out fee plus ah. the period of time that it takes for that vet to do the procedure. And a guttural pouch scoping could be done, in theory, within 15 minutes. I mean, our our team here do it, our vets here do it regularly. Um, and it's not necessarily the most common procedure for equine vets to be doing. But, mm. yeah, it's a case of the vet coming, call-out fee, the sedation, um, and then the time it takes for the vet to do the procedure. Most vets now do have a video scope or an endoscope that would be able to do it. Oh, that's good. Because, well, the, the thing with that is I wouldn't want to put my horse through that if, if I didn't need to. So that's why a blood test is so great. So when they come and give them the vaccinations, the vet could take a blood test at the same time, couldn't they? Yeah, well, a, a blood test is definitely the starting point because you can see the raised antibody levels. So you can see if the horse has, has been exposed to the disease and then that would give you an indication whether it's worth having the endoscopy just to see what's going on inside the guttural pouch. And and you can, that's when you'd get the test to see if uh, there was any active strangles in inside the mm. horse. And that can be flushed at that time. Oh, wow, that's good. So it can actually be dealt with there and then? It can be treated there and then. And, um, and then later on, it would just need one more just to screen it clear. Ah. Oh, well, Andy, thank you so much. In um, typical cases. <laughs> yeah, every case is different. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's been really interesting. Thank you. I'm, I'm sorry to hear that you went through all of that. Um, but I'm kind of glad that you did because now you can share it with us. And, um, and we know that everybody can be okay. The horses can be okay. And yeah. um, I really appreciate you coming and talking to us today. How can we follow Red Wings Horse Sanctuary? So you can follow us on Facebook. Um, obviously, you can follow our Twitter as well. That's at Red Wings HS or follow me. That's at Red Wings Andy on Twitter. Um, also, you can get our Strangles information pack downloaded from our website. But I'm also happy to send those out to anybody who wants a hard copy. And they include um, quarantine notices ready prepared. So you can just pin that up um, if you wanted to put quarantine, precautionary quarantine in place. And um, yeah just I think follow us on Facebook and um, we are 100% publicly funded so if anyone wants to donate you can also donate through our website there too amazing thanks so much Andy see you thanks Amy cheers bye
thanks so much for listening i hope you enjoyed this week's episode if you'd like more information on strangles then just head to our website horsehour.co.uk we've got the education hub with advice information and what to look out for from both red wings horse sanctuary and bmw equine vets and as always if you're worried at all then just give your vet a call and just have a chat with them on the phone they're all so keen to stamp out this disease that they'd be happily have a chat with you and in fact i had a chat with my vet the other day and said um, when they come to do his injections they're just going to have a give him a quick check over do his heart rate his pulse his temperature things like that i mean we need an mot every now and again so um it's not a bad idea to get your horse to have one too as always you can catch up with previous episodes of the horse hour podcast on our website just head to horsehour.co.uk it's on itunes and acast as well and we love seeing your stories so thank you for sharing your pictures and your videos use the hashtag horse hour on twitter facebook instagram Uh, we're on pinterest we're on youtube there's loads of horsey goodness out there and uh, this week i'm heading to the royal windsor horse show in london it starts on wednesday and I'll, i'll be there all week bringing you pictures backstage interviews and videos too i hope you have a really good week with your horse and i'll speak to you soon you've been listening to horse hour join the community on twitter mondays 8 p.m uk time 3 p.m eastern by using the hashtag horse hour follow amy at amy stevenson one and subscribe to us on acast itunes stitcher and player fm Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.